Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. need to get together and find communities where they all agree to keep their children, especially their, te- their girls, off social media because it's really causing mental health problems among these teen girls. I am announcing that the Department of Justice will immediately surge federal law enforcement to the city of Chicago. That is the beginning of the ending of this democracy. That kind of activity is the activity of a police state. And this president and this attorney general seem to be doing everything they possibly can to impose uh, Gestapo activities. Ding, ding, there you go. You heard it. Gestapo activities. So, yes, president is sending resources to Chicago. I've, I've heard people on both sides of this issue. This idea that the president, a new police state, is coming here is uh, incorrect. There was just 14 people shot two days ago, or what was last night in Chicago. There, there are murders there uh, nightly and on weekends. Sometimes you can get over close to 100 uh, shootings. There's dozens of deaths there. Chicago has been a war zone for, for years. So uh, so that's the president saying he's sending federal resources. I've got no problem with him. If it's, that's James Clyburn you heard to call the president, say the president, uh, those guys were Gestapo, essentially. And it's the same old words they use for anything. Any time President Trump does anything with federal troops, it's going to be considered Gestapo. They've already already thought the president was a Nazi. Any but any uh, troop that is at, at his beck and call is a brown shirt, you know, by default according to the rules of 2020. And you know, it's uh, the mass hysteria, the vernacular allowed in the mass hysteria, and uh, by those uh, centurions who decide, uh, you know, what speech is uh, acceptable and what speech is not. But that's that's what we've got going right now. It's it's disgusting. I think uh, Pelosi also called them brown shirts or something. Federal uh, folks, there's in Portland they're protecting federal property, and um, and they've been driving around and just guiping these people who have been who have been um, 
uh, seen and witnessed, uh, you know, pulling violent acts of vandalism or violence and burning stuff in and around federal facilities. And so these guys are driving around in caravan, Dodge caravans like I have. I now have a federal, uh, you know, paramilitary car. Who knew it? Dodge caravans and they're throwing these uh, punks inside the back of them and processing them. People have said, well, there's no warrants. Obviously, you don't need a warrant to arrest somebody in the streets for a crime that was committed out in the streets. People complain that the cops are, the uniforms aren't marked, but they don't want to be doxxed. People complain that they're, that the caravans are unmarked as well, but uh, I think that's probably a wise idea considering people are just torching police cars and these same politicians who are calling the President Gestapo are applauding the torching of police cars, the torching of police stations, the throwing of bricks on at police. They wanted to defund the police. They vilified the police. I have no time for any of them. Any, I'm done. I'm done. You do need a little law and order with law and order. And when these progressives say we don't want him in our city, we don't want him doing that. That's that's too bad. They didn't want they didn't want federal incursion when desegregation, um, you know, was being executed by um, from. Uh, by the feds as well in the 60s but uh in the late 50s but you know, too bad it's not it's not up to you it's not up to your project as to whether or not you want to just maintain a steady flow of uh of dead young men in your city and you're okay with that that's that's not we're in a we're we're in a bit of a collective here i'm i know that uh <laughs> my uh my federalism um bona fides may be questioned here but what i mean wh why are we better to let the young men in chicago and, and it's not just men men the people who are dying are men women and children in chicago why are we better just letting it happen it's more than obvious that the local regimes running the communities in the city of chicago either don't are don't want to take the political risk don't have the will to do it are too incompetent to do it to save a few lives why not black lives matter right i don't i, I i'm to, if you can save young men and and like i said boys girls and whatever it's i have no problem with it I, I i also am not one of these people who thinks the president's a nazi so i'm not worried about this being you know step one and then where he's you know in the Sudetenland tomorrow i don't think it's going to happen I think there are plenty of checks on this kind of thing. I think that um, I think that it would be a blessing if we could stop the carnage in Chicago, and it would be really nice to have there be in the in the inner cities there in the most troubled communities for little kids not to have friends who were shot to death. It might be a nice thing if we could uh, bring some normalcy and uh, give some of these communities a shot at the American dream. And uh, you know, extract them from an experience which includes contemporaries, children being uh, killed nightly. I think that's a step in the right direction. So, I want to move right over to uh, to our guest, who uh, I told you we were going to interview. I'm very excited about it. Her name is Abigail Schreier. She's a freelance writer. She's writing for the Wall Street. She's writing. She's written for the Wall Street Journal and a bunch of other uh, pl places. She is very cool, and she's written this book called Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. So, it is. this is extremely controversial in today's society because y if you're going to speak in and around the transgender issues, 
then you have to comply and be in accordance with the going theme of the most progressive member, activist members of the of that issue, or else they'll actively try to destroy you. In many cases, so this book about Abigail Shire, Schreier, and she's going to explain it much better than I can. This is meant. This book in this interview is certainly not meant to be disrespectful to any human being, but. She contends that there are some girls who, for several reasons, in their teen years, they assume that they are that they are have um, that they are transgender. They assume that they has have have dysmorphia. Is that how you say it? Uh, and they don't. There's um, there's something else going on. And some of them make radical choices to become trans. And take medications and do unspeakable, um, unspeakable um, medical procedures, undergo medical procedures which are irreversible and just horrific. Because a few years later, some of these girls, these teenagers, you know, realize that they were not, they they were not, you know, um, trans, and they regret it and. The contention here, and she's got facts and figures by Abigail Schreier, is that unfortunately there's a lot of casualties here. And this is not talking about those people who are actually living very happy, successful, fulfilled lives. As trans people, these are a group of girls who, unfortunately, it's a it's a generation now of a section of of young girls who were allowed to make choices that were damaging to them. So, I just found it very interesting, and she's um, she's certainly a gutsy gutsy writer for 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 doing this. I would like to have somebody on to um to talk about the the trans experience. You know, I do have somebody in mind, uh, somebody who's more traditionally. I I don't even know if traditionally as a the place in this, but who's more progressive, a little more activist, and just to have the conversation, just to just to see. I mean, I people are generally very good, so I get the feeling that uh, that it'll be a fun conversation. I'd like to hear what they have to say about this book too, because according to Abigail Schreier, she's gotten lots of good feedback from folks in the trans community. So you don't have to even be somebody who is spends any time thinking about the the trans issue or you know you, you don't you have to be uh, you know married to the idea of the conversation but i do promise you that it's a very interesting conversation even if it's something far afield for you that doesn't affect your life even if you think that it's uh you know that you that you feel like there's a pernicious uh, agenda uh, 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 you know afloat and there is not i can tell you about that i just heard her on a, another podcast actually the femsplainers podcast which i would highly suggest it's very good. It is very good, and it, it, it's it's probably where I more, most consistently get alternate point of points of view from my own, and um, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. So here we go. We'll be. By the way, we will. Um, we will get back to. I don't want you to think I gave uh, the 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 politics short shrift. Is it shrift or shrift? We'll get back to and be monitoring everything going on in the city. Tomorrow will be a much more heavy audio day, and um, so uh, you know I haven't I haven't orphaned politics for the day or anything or for the week, 
but uh, this is, I guess this is politics as well, because there are so many interest groups involved in everything these days, and everything's politicized, and everything's an agenda. But what we have here is an interesting person, and her name is Abigail Schreier. Okay, I am thrilled to welcome um, Abigail Schreier. She is the author of Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Abigail, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. So I got to say, I admire the heck out of you. I don't know if your next books are going to be like prequels to the Satanic Verses and the Bell Curve or uh, or what they're going to be, but this is a daring book to write and congratulations for doing it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It really shouldn't be so so daring, but I but I keep hearing that it is. <laughs> it is. Well, and it's funny because I, I've been listening to a lot of interviews with you, and it's almost almost every host seems to to start with a disclaimer question. So I'm going to do the same exact thing and say, it is true, is it not, that you don't have any problem with the trans- transgender community, and in fact, it's in fact it's not really about the transgender community. Yeah, it's not. And in fact, you know, I interviewed a lot of transgender adults before the book, but I want to say something else. After the Rogan show, the number of transgender adults who have reached out to me from occupying every profession, doctors, all sorts of people who said, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for your interview. Thank you for your book. You know, the activists that everybody's aware of do not represent us. And I have to tell you, that's true. Um, Transgender adults are are a wonderful group of people. The ones I've interviewed are are truly sober and wonderful. And and the activists who are trying to shut everything down, shut conversation down are really not representative. I am thrilled to hear that. That is so great because I was I was shocked. You have been getting a little pushback from who's tampering with you? Is it Amazon? Oh, <laughs> Amazon won't allow my publisher to sponsor an ad. So if you uh, enter various search terms for my book, you'll get um, instead um, sponsored ad for books that promote transition, medical transition for teenage girls. But 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 not my book, which is skeptical oh, of the idea that this is a good thing. Oh God. Okay, so let's go right in. What is happening with teenage girls that that has you so concerned? So we we have you know a one hundred year diagnostic history of something called gender dysphoria, the severe discomfort in one's biological sex. We know what it looks like. It's it's um, overwhelmingly male and it begins in early childhood, ages t- two to four. Little boys saying, no, mommy, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl and punching their, you know, occasionally punching their penises or hmm. or just being very, very uncomfortable in, in being boys. Um, today, out of nowhere, the overwhelming demographic um, with claiming to have gender dysphoria is teenage girls who have no childhood history of gender dysphoria. And they often are coming out as transgender with their friends after watching a lot of these YouTube videos on the internet. This just doesn't look like typical dysphoria at all. Well, how many, uh, how many more now than, you know, in the past? Great question. So gender dysphoria used to afflict roughly 0.01% of the population. So one in 10,000 people. What that means is probably no one you went to high school was trans. Today, we know that in America, 2% of high school students say say they're trans, meaning 1.1 million American high school students. And overwhelmingly, they're adolescent girls. Now, the numbers are very high in middle school as well. In in the UK, which does a better job of tracking this than the US does um, for various reasons, they have a four over 4,000% 4, rise in adolescent girls um, claiming to, to be g- gender dysphoric. 
So what's so what's causing it? Are these is it a is it a fad? I mean, what is what's the at the root of it? It is something like a fad. It is girls in severe pain. We know that there's a mental health crisis facing our teenage girls, okay? They are reporting levels of suicidality, of depression, of of uh, of anxiety higher than we've ever seen before. And we know that this is true even of tween girls, so before mm-hmm. they even reach their teenage years. Um, and when girls are in severe pain, they look to the culture to figure out what might be wrong with them. So in past eras, they might have said, oh, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. If I just had thigh gap, I'm sure everything will get uh-huh. better in my life. And today they're saying, actually, I'm supposed to be a boy. And um, and they're they're asking for testosterone and getting it. Uh, but, I mean, they need a doctor. I mean, obviously, to get all this. Do parents have to sign off on treatment? No, no, they do not need a doctor today. That's that's the thing to know that because they that um, the WPATH, the organization, you know, that um, oversees transgender health and medicine, uh, uh, it's a worldwide organization, changed its standard in 2012 to informed consent. Mm-hmm. And many, many clinics have point have picked this up, infor- including Planned Parenthood. So you can walk into a gender um, clinic today or Planned Parenthood or Mayo Clinic or Kaiser, all kinds of places. And you say, I have gender dysphoria. And you you explain what you mean. You say, I have gender dysphoria. And be- sometimes you will not even meet with a doctor, but you sign in an informed consent form, right? You sign a waiver and you walk out with testosterone that day. Um, okay, but why wouldn't doctors say, um, no, go home and talk to your parents and you know come back later? Well, first of all, in these informed consent clinics, they may not even be meeting with a doctor. But the reason doctors don't even say it, even when you go to a doctor, is because the medical professional organizations have all adopted something called affirmative care. That directs a doctor only with regard to this diagnosis to affirm, meaning agree with the patient's self-diagnosis when it comes to a transgender identity or gender dysphoria. So the it basically hands the prescription pad over to the patient and in some cases, those patients are very young. Uh, there's so much. There's, there's a universe of, of questions about this I have. So let's let's go back to what you said about girls and girls being vulnerable. I can I, I just going back to when I was a, a, a teenager, it was in the 80s. So I'm 47. And so we didn't have the Internet and things like that. But certainly it was an awkward time. Boys are just idiots. So it's easier for us, I think. But girls are always had to be pretty, and you know, boys would write graffiti about them, and in in it was it was tougher for the girls. I've got to assume now that social media has to be a huge factor in this stuff, right? So, boys, girls, it's always been tougher for them this period of adolescence. It's always really a poignant and and very often a painful time. Their bodies are changing dramatically, and and female puberty is uncomfortable. And the problem is to, yes, social media has, first of all, it's done a lot of things. One thing is it's done is it's made these girls so anxious and depressed. They feel like they are constantly being harassed by images of other girls, comments from other girls about their bodies and sometimes boys, but very often it's just other Mm -hmm. girls. Um, And they're totally tormented by the parties that they get to see that they're not invited to. (laughs) They actually have to see the photographs, have to see the videos now, have to see the doctored images of the girls they think are so much prettier in their class. It's a very hard time to be a teenage girl. Wow, I never, I didn't think of that, 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 that you're seeing where you're not invited to. And interesting, you'll see all of the, uh, <laughs> all the like, uh, you know, illicit drinking parties in the, in the parking lot where 
You know, your friend told you that she had to do homework, but she's there. And and all of and can you imagine? There's just the sniping at each other, and the just that, that's that's right. They're sniping at each other. There, I mean, if you weren't when I was growing up, I'm I'm 42. So when you weren't invited to a party, you or to hang out with your friends, you weren't invited. You felt bad about it, mm-hmm. but you sort of got over it. Now you can watch the video while it's happening. You can watch the party you haven't been invited to while it's going on, and the video is, of course, only the highlights. It feels terrible, and the video never ends. It's in your pocket. It's it's a very very hard time because, of, especially because of social media, it's a very hard time to be a teen girl. And I, you know, I think also, and um, my wife is younger than me, and she's got younger siblings. And what I've heard from conversations are that girls are expo- exposed now or see, I think, pornography um, at a younger age, and and it's it's almost it's. Uh, misogynistic, I would say, the, 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 what they're seeing. is. It, would you agree? The, yeah, the thing to know about pornography is, you know, they do these reports, right? They say, oh, you know, the average age in which kids now see pornography is 11, okay? And you might think, which is true. Um, you, you know, I, I believe it's true. It's been reported. And um, certainly everybody, when I interview, you know, teens, they tell me, oh, yeah, I've seen pornography for years. And, yeah. and you think, okay, big deal, playboy, or something like that. Maybe you have to, maybe you think it's offensive, but... I, I want to stress just how violent, how 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 sick the pornography these kids are seeing now is. You're talking about women being choked within the, in an inch of their life. You're talking about something that terrifies teenage girls about the prospect of of, of sex with a man. It is, and also the prospect of becoming a woman. It is a terrifying image. So, um, it is interesting, like uh, how. Where, where, who's supposed to make sure that young girls don't uh, believe all this stuff, all this marketing about how you can't be a pound overweight and how your skin has to be perfect? Where is that influence not coming from? Um, well, I think I think we are sort of, you know, in a broader sense, missing adults in the society, missing adults with adult judgment. Um, there are a lot of reasons for that. Some of the people who aren't who aren't sort of intervening are, are well-intentioned. I mean, look, when I went to write this book, you have to know that pe- pa- um, parents, uh, therapists, doctors, teachers contacted me saying, I can't speak up about this or I'll get fired. Mm. Anything that's considered anti-transgender is, is, could be grounds for firing today. And these and that doesn't mean any of this is anti-transgender, of course. The parents who contact me are overwhelmingly liberal. They're, they're politically progressive. They support LGBTQ rights generally, of course. But what they notice is that their daughter, the moment she announces a trans identity, first of all, it doesn't seem to fit her. She, she, ought, she didn't express any childhood gender dysphoria at all until, until she and her friends together decided to come out. And second of all, they notice that her mental health is deteriorating. If, and I want to be clear about this. If these girls had transitioned, were medically transitioning and leading happy, good lives, I wouldn't have written this book. I wouldn't care. Right. This isn't for know. those those group of trans folks who are happy and healthy. This is no, for- because these girls aren't really suffering from typical gender dysphoria at all. What they're in is a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. They've self-diagnosed 
dosed with gender dysphoria. And of course, unsurprisingly, because it's their own self-diagnosis, it's not accurate. Transition doesn't help them, but they go through with it anyway, hoping that the next surgery or, or hormone will be the one to do it. And unfortunately, some of these things that they do are permanent. That's right. A lot of the changes are permanent. It is so easy. The thing for parents to know is the age of medical consent varies by state. In Oregon, it is 15. In in Washington state, you can get mental health therapy. At, at, at You can get various a mental health diagnosis at 13 without parental you know consent. What that means is that based on the age of medical consent, a child, a young teen can get access to things like testosterone. Now, the re- thing, the reason testosterone is so attractive is because it does certain things that these girls really want and it makes them feel good, like it delivers euphoria. It also suppresses anxiety, which is the girl's main problem. Wow. What are some of the other things, uh, treatments that they see? Well, actually, with testosterone, though, is there any permanent effect? Yes. So the problem is, and it also redistributes fat. So these girls... They feel better about their bodies. Yeah. They don't have social anxiety anymore. They feel bold and they and they get a euphoria. They can't wait to tell their friends how great tea is. And it confirms in their mind, oh my God, I really am trans because look how much better I feel. The problem is it does all kinds of bad things too. First of all, there's permanent facial and body hair that never seems to go away. There is alteration to a, a woman's private anatomy um, that seems to be permanent. There's also a severe risk of infertility mm-hmm. and of, of endometrial cancer and, and uh, hysterectomy. Oh, it's and it's so tragic it, because, you know, teenage years are awful and we're not in our right minds in our teenage years. Gener- I know I wasn't. I was psychotic as a teenager. And then it just <laughs> you get to be manageable level of psychotic as an adult and you can operate. But a teenager, that is terrible to make these permanent choices that you're going to have to live with from age 17 to whenever. I mean, that's heartbreaking. Do you think you could be made made infertile infertile by this stuff? Jesus, how heartbreaking is this? I I can't imagine how you got through the conversations with the parents. You know, and, and what you just said is right. When unfortunately, you know, a lot of the parents are wonderfully open-minded. They're wonderful people. But unfortunately, when their daughters come to them and announce a transgender identity, sometimes the parents treat them like a transgender person rather than treating them like a con- the confused teenager they actually are. So as a result, they sort of go along with something rather than trying to figure out in a critical way, wait a second, you're still just 12. Let's find out what's really going on, what, what you know, and, and try to get your help for your anxiety and depression and, and, that, and that sort of thing. Parents feel like they have to go along with all of their teenagers' um, self diagnoses today unfortunately oh god and i can imagine just to if you want to just alleviate the pain if you, nobody wants to see their child in duress at all and to alleviate the pain that's one thing but jeez i can't i can't imagine it i heard you with rogan you were talking about there's a, a kid a teenage kid can get a breast removal surgery Absolutely. So it depends, you know, on the surgeon. Some surgeons require that they be 18. Other surgeons are, you know, without even parental consent, giving them to to 16 year olds. Um, And um, 
they are doing so without even a therapist's note. There are doctors willing to perform, and I interviewed a lot of surgeons, including ones who do the surgery. And I want parents to know and people to know that there are surgeons, there are definitely surgeons out there who are willing and will even advertise that they do this without even a therapist's note, meaning a a teenager self-diagnoses with gender dysphoria. And on that basis, she can schedule an operation to remove her healthy breasts. That's a remarkable, remarkable What's crazy about this is that that's just damaging to women. And we we continually talk about needing to, um, you know, appreciate and value women. And these are young girls that just their lives are being torn apart. Did you talk to any girls who have gone through this and have since, um, you know, have since discovered that they weren't transgender? Yes, I have. So I talked to a, a few girls who talked to me about this. One young woman, Erin, went through it and 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 has since reverted to her female identity. And she she had gotten the top surgery. And and she said to me, you know, I I didn't. She, she didn't realize how much loss was sort of entailed. I mean, you know, people think about a breast, or sometimes they talk about it as if it's just you know something. I I, I quote one doctor in my book. Uh, one gender therapist who who said, um, well, they can be uh, a gender doctor um, who does these gender treatments who said breasts can be given and taken away and given again. Um, you know, plastic surgeons I've talked to will say that's actually not true at all. Breasts are not just lumps, right? They can give you back. They, they, are, they are complex structures that involve erotic, you know, potential mm-hmm. and uh, an erogenous zone. They also deliver milk. They have lobes and ducts and all sorts of, you know, they're, they're complex structures. And when, although you can remove them and, you know, you're, you're destroying a biological capacity when you do that. And there's no other area of medicine where we allow a doctor to destroy a patient's biological capacity without clear diagnostic reason. Yeah, and just going back to just for bre- for breastfeeding purposes, we have four young kids, and not only is it is the whole breastfeeding thing is it nourishment, but it's it's it saves a lot of stress around the house. It also um, it calms the child, and there obviously there's a, a bonding thing with the mother and child with that with that whole thing, um, but it it still is just just crazy. So who's Who's pushing this? Who's saying this is okay culturally, even though we all see that there is, there is, there are these uh, collateral damage in the form of, I guess, a generation of girls. Right. So the people who are pushing this are the activists. And unfortunately, they've made a lot of headway in certain areas. So the, the, the thing to know is that we're shutting down a discussion of mental health only affecting teenage girls. So in other words, this has really nothing to do with transgender adults more generally. But, but even given that in the schools, gender ideology is pushed. Schools, when a, chi- when a teenager or even a young child comes out as transgender or announces they're really a boy at school, the school policy in California, New York, New Jersey, I've heard from parents in many states, is to keep that from the parents. Teachers are, with the help of activists, are pushing this very aggressively in the schools. How can that so be? are therapists and doctors. That is incredible. So they're like colluding with the, with the kids who are obviously going through something emotionally. That is, I mean, it, yes, 
I, I really recommend every parent read, especially the chapter on what my investigation into the school system. I was able to go very deep into the California public school system, which of course is a model for the country. And the reason I was able to do that is because I had the help of teachers who were horrified by what was going on and reached out to me to help me find the documents I needed. The book is called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters, and the author is Abigail Schreier. Abigail, do you think that this, or do you think that this trend, and you had mentioned in the book that these, a lot of times these groups of uh, girls, when they kind of bond with each other, they do things like um, they're bulimic together, or um, these these uh, girls would cut, uh, cut, cut themselves it's that kind of, it manifests itself in that kind of behavior, whatever they've got going on uh, with their mental health. Is is this trending somewhere else now? Well, all across the West, we're seeing this. So it's trending in Canada, America, um, uh, the UK, um, Scandinavia. We're seeing it all across the West, a sudden spike of teenage girls. It's alarming to anyone paying attention. And the thing to know is that Teenage girls have always been vulnerable to these in part to spreading these so-called peer contagions, these fads among their friends, some of which are very dangerous. And the reason they they are is because they tend to take on their friend's pain in a way that boys don't. So if a teenage boy sees his friend is depressed, he says he says to him, why don't we go play basketball? If a girl uh, sees her friend is depressed, says, she says, why don't we talk about it? Let's sit and talk about how you're feeling. And she will even go so far as to take on her friend's pain, even suspending reality in order to agree with her friend so that her friend feels supported. Ooh, that is tough stuff. You know, just going back to what we said about how hard it is to be a female now uh, or a young lady with, and I don't even know if it's a thing anymore, but um, like a sexting and revenge porn I mean, I can't imagine if you're a, if you're a young lady, a, a, you know, a 17-year-old young woman, confused as any 17-year-old is, and knowing that your image is making it across 100,000 screens at any given time. So, like, what is, is the key to take away technology or just make us better people? What's the fix? I think I think keeping these girls off social media for as long as possible. I mean, you're talking about giant rates of suicidality, depression, anxiety. I don't even think it's a question. You need to, parents need to get together and find communities where they all agree to keep their children, especially their their girls off social media, because you know what? It's, it's, it's really causing mental health problem among these teen girls. Yeah. And you know, you don't even have to be, when you're in social media and I'm sure you're getting this right now, but when you start to have 10 or hundreds or, or thousands of people, you know, coming at you on Twitter, you know, and, you know, all the different memes and being ratioed and whatever all that stuff means, you can get sucked into that as an adult. If you're a kid and you've got no outside experiences and have always, since you, did the, since you were two years old, always lived online, to them, that's reality. That's right. That's that's exactly right. In fact, one of the young women who um, identified as transgender for a while, she told me that she said these the the these teens, you know, Gen Z as they're called, the ones born in 1995 and after, they're very sophisticated about how to use technology, but they're very naive when it comes to believing the stories that are on it um, and what and believing the images they see. And she said that's why the transgender influences 
influencers online that they have that are so popular today, they're on all the social media, are so effective at convincing other girls and other teens that if, if you know, being a woman is terrible and there's this amazing uh, other option, which is transitioning. Huh. It's, uh, it's interesting. It, you know, before the internet, we had, if you were a kid in like 1986 and I got in a fight in the, on the playground with some kid and he punched me in the nose, you know, I'd go back to my parents, he'd go back to his parents, and then you'd have to move on. There was no, the, the community was not going to mourn you on Facebook. There wasn't going to be, you know, a Twitter uprising on your behalf or, or anything. I mean, you just had to keep on living because the next day was coming and there was no artificial place to 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 get an endorphin rush of, of warmth and camaraderie. I mean, geez, I almost think that, that maybe the social media is, or maybe any kind of, the internet is generally trash unless you're looking for, for things at all. I mean, but are you ever going to convince people, parents who essentially use social media as a babysitter and I do this all the time. I don't think I'm a good parent, but my wife is a, is a good parent. And, <laughs> and I throw, I mean, my kids, we get them hooked on, you know, Disney clubhouse, you know, first, and then they move from there onto the octonauts and then whatever else. Cause you need that stuff. How are you going to wean parents off it so they can wean kids off it? Well, I would, I would certainly, um, I would certainly encourage, um, you know, parents, I interviewed a lot of transgender influencers. They are very charismatic. Um, I, I certainly encourage parents to take a look. It was really eye opening for me um, to see the influences on our teens that are available. I mean, these videos queue up automatically. These are highly charismatic mm -hmm. young people promising their kids that, you know, if they've ever felt a little uncomfortable in their bodies, they're probably trans. So, you know, there's 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 really what to be concerned about on social media. But I agree with you. You know, it's not just that they're there. It's that they're getting they're they're getting indoctrinated in all this, you know, gender ideology and gender confusion all the time. I mean, like you said, you can never you never walk away from a fight you had. You relive it today. Hmm. You never walk away from a bad picture or a bad influence. They're with you all the time. And it's interesting. They've done such a good job. It's almost, you know, fascistic, whatever fascism is with an IC. They've done such a good job of shutting everybody up. Where, I mean, you, when the Caitlyn Jenner thing came out and people, she was on People Magazine, this and that, you couldn't just say you're fine with that. You had to celebrate it. So that's why, like, you're, in conversations, these conversations are always so dangerous because, Right now, we're having a conversation that's critical around the issue, and that's dangerous because you're only supposed to celebrate it. Like, how did these people get to be so, you know, so threatening? It's it's interesting. You know, I wrote, I interviewed a lot of transgender adults for the book, and one of them, Crystal, told me that when when Caitlyn Jenner appeared on the cover of Vanity Fair, I think it was 2015, she said it was a biological male now identifying as a woman, Crystal. Uh, she said to me, it was horrible for her because she was going about her life. You know, she she never denied that she was a biological male, right. but she was going about her life, leading a good, honest life and and just trying, you know, sort of, you know, uh, presenting as she was most comfortable, but but happy. And then Caitlin happened and she said, now everybody makes a fuss about her. She had people crossing the street to oh, hug her. God. And she said to me, it was embarrassing. Oh, God, that's so funny. It reminds me of, in around where I am, I'm, I'm up in Massachusetts and all these uh, lily white rich suburbs, you know, in the last three weeks, everybody's calling any black person they know to say, I understand the pain and things like that. And, 
you know, if you're a black person just trying to live your life, you've got to be like, oh crap, more white people are calling me and telling me they're that they're, they're pulling for me. They mean well, I mean, but uh, but you know, and once again, you mean well. This book is not about it's not about condemning the trans community whatsoever. This is just about a group of a generation of young girls. The book is called Irreversible Damage. It is uh, Abigail Schreier is the author. So uh, once again, as we wrap up here. I'll let you t- take it away again. Once again, we're this is not condemning transgender the transgender community whatsoever. You mentioned that you had transgender friends, and I've known transgender people forever. I used to work in the service industry, and they're and uh, I've always gotten along with 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 everybody. Um, but this is specifically about young girls who aren't actually transgender, but who are suffering from something else, and it's um it's you know it, it's where it's coming out as uh, transgender behavior. That's right. I mean, I would, I would just say, I would encourage people, you know, to, to, to really, um, you know, realize that, that, that really the activists, like any other cause, the activists are, are, are quite extreme here as they are with, you know, any cause. And they really don't represent um, the many wonderful transgender adults who, who are not looking to shut down an honest conversation and inquiry into the mental health of teenage girls. All right. So the book is called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. Abigail, how excited are you about getting the, the book tour per- uh, portion over with? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're everywhere yeah. right now. Well, I'm. I'm. I applaud your um your courage and the work that you put into this. I think it's a great conversation to have, and it's important. I wish you all the uh, all the best, and thanks so much. Likewise, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me again. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Plenty more conversations coming up. Please feel free to email me. Email me at winchester at gmail That's w i n n. C-H-E-S-T-E-R at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Tom Shattuck. We will see you later. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.